Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 109 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. And today, I know a lot of you have been waiting for this for a while because you've heard rumored that I'm going to be interviewing Chuck Swindoll, and today is the day. What an incredible honor and privilege to actually have a conversation with Dr. Swindoll with Chuck. And I mean, man, when his team reached out and said, hey, uh, got a new book coming out. Do you want to do an interview? I thought, yeah, I'm free that day. Absolutely. So um, what a thrill to be able to do it. And, you know, few people have had the legacy that Chuck Swindoll has in our generation. And, and one of the things I talked to him about at the very end of the interview is just, you know, how do you how do you finish well? I mean, you know, he has now led for Dunn Ministry for over six decades. That's like crazy. And in an era where a lot of us are trying to finish well and where burnout seems to be more and more prevalent, I'm just absolutely thrilled for uh, people like Chuck Swindoll. And uh, like you, I have really benefited from his messages over the years. So he is talking about a new book uh, called Searching the Scriptures that he'll talk about a lot on this interview. But I got to tell you, if you are looking for a practical guide to help your congregation just learn the basic tools of Bible study, or maybe you're one of the growing number of uh, church staff who just never went to seminary. Uh, I think I can say this is like the best Bible boot camp outside of Old Testament and New Testament 101 that I've ever seen. I mean, it, it took me, you know, several years and a whole lot of money um, to get through really what seminary taught you. And and better than any book I've seen, this does it in a very accessible way. So I'm super excited about this resource and really honored to have that conversation with Chuck Swindoll. So that's coming up in just a second. Hey, just want to say a, a quick shout out to a few of you um, and also to our partners in this podcast. Thank you so much to EA Help. Uh, I know a lot of you are trying to get stuff done and you barely have time to listen to this podcast. I mean, I get that. But but here's the reality. Most leaders are doing too much. And if that's you and you're like, I don't have a solution, maybe your solution is actually to get a great assistant, even 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week or maybe a full-time assistant. And what I'm using these days is EA Help. So you can just go to eahelp.com. They'll hook you up with a virtual assistant. Let me not say hook up. They'll set you up with a virtual assistant who comes highly skilled and ready to go. And I'm enjoying uh, the year that I've got with Sarah as my interim assistant assistant and she's doing an unbelievable job. And I'll tell you, it's it's probably a lot more helpful than you think. So just go to eahelp.com. And also for all of you trying to figure out how are we going to get more money for ministry, go and check out enjoystewardship.com. They've got a brand new program called Fully Funded that is simply exceptional and they do a great job helping church leaders raise money so you can realize your vision. One of the things I love about Joe Sangle and his approach as well is it's not just about what you want from your congregation. They've got resources at Enjoy Stewardship Solutions to help you do something for your church, to help like 
people actually pay cash for their vacations and save for their kids' education and realize their own financial goals. Because guess what? When you help people realize their goals, uh, they're in a much better position to help you realize your collective goals as a church. So make sure you check that out at enjoystewardship.com. Also, I want to say thank you to all of you who are leaving ratings and reviews. Man, um, man, it's so encouraging. I mean, I'm in Orange Tour season right now, so I'm doing a lot of traveling. But uh, getting to talk to you in person is phenomenal. But the reviews are pretty close second. Hey, thanks so much to Tyler. You are a young church leader, and in your recent review, you said... Um, you got a lot of vision and a whole lot to learn. I love that, Tyler. And uh, his review says, I've been finding practical help and encouragement every week on the podcast for over a year now. I love hearing from leaders of all ages and from all different parts of ministry. That's one piece of feedback. You know, when you guys give me feedback like that, that's super helpful. And what I hear over and over again is you love the eclectic mix. You love that, you know, one day it's Chuck Swindoll, and the next day it's somebody you've never even heard of. And one day it's from the business field, and the other day it's from the student ministry field, and then the senior pastor or second chair field. So I'm glad about that. And then finishing the review, he says, thanks for building into the younger generation. Man, Tyler, I hope you know that is such a joy and a heartbeat of mine. You and your guests flood us with wisdom gained from experience. Uh, one of my biggest prayers is that we steward all of it well. I got to tell you, Tyler, with a heart like that, I think you're doing a great job. And so thanks, Tyler, for that review and to over 400 of you who have now left reviews on iTunes. Also, for those of you on Google Play, we are now on Google Play. So if you haven't subscribed, do that. And uh, if this episode is helpful, share it with your friends. So um, here we go. Here's my conversation with with the one and only Chuck Swindoll. Dr. Swindoll, welcome to the podcast. It is an absolute honor uh, to have you here. And uh, I'm excited about your brand new book, Searching the Scriptures, kind of a, a book that I know you're very, very proud of and have worked, actually it shows, really hard on. Can you can you tell us why? Well, thank you. Thank you, Kerry. It's great to be with you. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and through you to many others. Thank you. So uh, tell us a little bit about why you wrote the book. It's, uh, it's just, it's, it's a great book, and I'll, I'll share a little bit about why I'm excited about it throughout the interview. But tell us, tell us what motivated you to do it. Well, if I'm asked one question after I've spoken somewhere or been with people or, you know, wherever it might have been after a sermon on a Sunday, it's the question, how? Hmm. How did you get that out of the Bible? How, how did you see that? Some will say, you know, I've read that half my life, and I could almost quote some of the verses, but I never saw that. And hmm. and here it is, and you didn't make it up. It's all right there. How do you do that? So I wrote the book to answer the question, how? How do you find the nourishment that there is in the scriptures that the Lord has planned for his people to enjoy and uh, to learn from and to guide their lives by. And I decided uh, what has changed my life can perhaps change others as well. Some of these thoughts are not original with me, and I make that clear in the book, thanks to a man named Dr. Howard Hendricks, Mm -hmm. under whom I studied 1959 through 1963 when I was at Dallas Theological Seminary. And uh, I picked up the principles from his course on Bible study, how to study the Word for yourself. 
and I've spent all this time since then carrying out what I learned in that classroom. And of course, when you do that, you cultivate other things that you do as well, things that were not presented, but you've learned over the years that worked for you. And I put it all together and decided, you know what, I've never written this out in a way that I think people could get it mm. because it's all doable, Carrie. It's all yeah. doable. You don't have to have an advanced degree. You don't even have to have gone to college. If you read English and if you have a Bible and if you have a little bit of time, you can do this. Hmm. Just like you can fix your own grilled cheese sandwich, just like you can fix your own salad, and I'm using food analogies because, as you know, that's what I've used all the way through the book. You can you you can find the food, you can prepare the meal, and you can serve something pretty close to a feast if you give your time and attention to it. You can do this, and I would encourage every one of those listening to tell themselves that I can do this. It's not hmm. something somebody else does. And then I hear about it through a sermon. I can do this. That's very important. I love that. It's very empowering. And you know, when I, when I even, even to go to the first chapter of the book, I felt like I was in first year seminary. Now I grew up in the church. I, you know, dedicated my life to Christ as a kid and I read the Bible you know, I'd been reading the Bible pretty much all my life, not every single day at that stage, but you know, for the average 20, whatever year old, I had read a lot of Bible, but I never really understood how it all tied together. And you in the first chapter, I'll tell you, I had to pay lots of money and, and sit through hours and hours and hours of lecture months of them <laughs> to understand it. But in a few pages, you're like, oh, you got man. the whole sweep of scripture. And when that happened, all these random stories that just felt completely random, like did Abraham come before Moses or Moses before Abraham? And what was right, the relationship? Right. Like, when did this, what do you mean divided kingdom? I thought there was a united kingdom. Right. All that stuff came together, and you do that in the first chapter of the book. Well, isn't that, isn't that great? You know, uh, let's face it, man. Uh, the Bible is intimidating. Great big thick it book. It is. Thin pages, tiny print, all these begats. All these names, all these places I'll never go. What in the world is so great about that? Well, you got to know how it all fits together. Right. That's why we started there. Hope you didn't miss the chart in the back. Nope, it's there, and it's good, fascinating. Good. And, and we lay it out so that you can see the different ways it's all put together. What throws people a curve is that it is not chronologically presented. Mm -hmm. See, Job appears way later in the Old Testament, but Job probably fits into the era of Genesis, yeah. one of the oldest, if not the oldest of all the books. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Second Chronicles is the very last book in the Hebrew Bible. So yep. in, it's the last book in the Old Testament. But in our Bibles, it's in the middle of the Old Testament. Hmm. And the last book is Malachi. Malachi is a minor prophet, not minor in significance, but in size. Yeah. But Malachi fits way at the end, but he does it really in the flow of the Bible. When you get the flow down, it's like reading a map. You start where you are, 
and uh, thanks to MapQuest, you know where you're going, yeah. and you take it, and you take it a road at a time. You turn on, you turn off. You know you've gone three miles. At four miles, you turn here, and then you go there, and you turn here, and all of a sudden, you get to where you've never been before because you had a map. Yep. And I don't know why every Bible doesn't begin with. Before you start reading, let me explain how this fits together. And that's what my book does. Mm-hmm. It really does. And, you know, it's almost like, I think for a lot of people, reading the Bible, even if you're familiar with the Bible, and this goes to preachers, too, or like church staff who never went to seminary. And increasingly, right. as you know, right. uh, the vast majority of church staff, at least in growing churches, don't have a seminary education, which, I, you know, I don't fundamentally have a problem with. We have lots of those on our staff as well. But sure. it's kind of like trying... To me, it's like trying, when you're reading the Bible and you don't know what you share in that short, first, valuable chapter, it's like watching a movie with all the scenes out of sequence. Isn't that a great way to put it? Why yeah. didn't I think of it and write that in the book? That's, that's <laughs> exactly what it's like. It's like you start the movie, and suddenly you're three-fourths away that person's life in the next scene. Uh-huh. In the next scene, he's 12 years old. It's exactly And in yeah. the next scene, he's getting married. And the next scene, he's a teenager. Yep. But uh, if you don't see how it flows and why it flows like that, you will be forever confused. That's why I never embarrass anyone because they say they are ignorant of the Bible. Mm. My answer is I fully understand. That's a good answer. I That's fully a good understand. Answer. And I would never insult you by saying you're, you're just stupid. No. You're honest. You're, tell, you're beginning where you got to start. I don't get this. So let me help you know how to get it. That's hmm. why the book was written. Yeah, and, and you, you know, you say in the book, and this is a quote, the Bible doesn't yield its treasures to the lazy soul. Why do you think so many people have a skittish relationship with the Bible? Like, there's a difference between devotional reading and where you're going with this book. Can you talk right. about that you're, for a you're minute? exactly right. Oh, I think it's true because they don't know how. They really mm-hmm. don't. It's like my, yep. my reading a medical journal. If I don't know basic <laughs> anatomy, I'm never going to get the journal. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm never going to get this. So if I'm going to take a medical degree, a medical course, I got to go through gross anatomy. I got to learn right. the parts of the body, the organs, what they're named, and often why they're named that, and how they tie in with this or that. I think most people turn to a more devotional style because they can take one verse mm-hmm. and 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 kind of make it say something nice and soft and smooth with great music in the background. (laughs) And they think, boy, there we go. I've gotten into it. No, uh, as a matter of fact, you keep doing that, you'll be even more confused. Hmm. Because the Bible was not written so you can lazily drift along in your little boat, kind of splashing around, looking at this scene and that one, thinking, now that's what I need for my life. Now that's what I need to claim (laughs) for my life. All I got to do is pray and the mountains are going to move. Wait, 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 wait. Before you got mountains moving, you better know what the Bible says somewhere else about prayer. Because if you just take the one verse that you can move mountains, you're going to be one disappointed guy. Mm -hmm. Because that mountain is not going to move. 
In fact, the way it's written is written in exaggerated language for a reason. you got to know that. If you don't know that, then you think God lied to me. Because he right. said I could move mountains, and I prayed that such and such would happen, which would either be like a mountain moved, and it didn't happen. But what you've got to read is somewhere else it says, you pray according to his will. Huh. Oh, oh, then I need to read that too when I read that. That's right. It's called correlation. Mm-hmm. You compare one verse with another. Let me tell you something, Carrie. Uh, if you don't correlate, you could easily move into a cult okay. and not know it. Because cults, cults are, are famous for taking a verse and then driving it home, and it becomes often half a verse. Yeah. Half a statement is worse than no statement. Mm-hmm. Let me say it again. Half a verse is worse, worse than no verse hmm. because you have pulled part of a truth out. Like you'd read an article from a magazine and read half a sentence then think you could tell me what that article says. No, 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 no. Start at the beginning and very slowly read through it. Think yeah. as you read. Observe as you read. The other day I was following a FedEx truck. My son was driving. He and I were talking. He said, hey, Dad. I said, yep. He said, see the arrow? Uh-huh. And I said, uh, arrow. I see the truck. No, no, no. Look at the name, FedEx. See the arrow? I go, mm, no. Uh, I see FedEx. He said, Dad, between the E and the X, look. And you know what? I suddenly saw the logo of FedEx. You know, somebody pointed that out to me about six months ago, and I had missed that my entire life as well. It's there. Exactly. But you just exactly. got to see it, no, don't you? Story. That's the story, man. That's why people are confused. They miss the arrows. Yeah. They're in there. Yep. And God isn't hiding, saying, ah, da 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 da, I'm going to play a game with you. Nope. It's not <laughs> like that. But He doesn't write His word to entertain you. You have to think. Let me say it again. You have to think. And so while I'm thinking, I read that God so loved the world. God, the creator, actually loves the world. He he loves the world. He's not mad at us. He's not roaming all over heaven looking for somebody to club because they're having a little fun. No, no, no. He loves the world. How much did he? He gave us his one and only son. Look at that. Look at that statement. Now, you see, you can't hurry through this. The Bible doesn't lend its truth to the hurried mind. I love the way Richard Foster put it in one of his books. Today, we don't need more intelligent people. We don't need richer people. We don't need busier people. We need deeper people. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? Yeah. 
I think it's very true. And you know, it's, it's fascinating because I think you, you have, as I'm so glad, this is a resource. This is not like you even assign homework in, in this book, which is great, right? I'm like, this isn't like why the Bible's important. This isn't like, here's what I learned in seminary. It's like, what I call the your time in the, your yeah. turn in the kitchen. Your turn in the kitchen. Go cook something. We're 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 finding the food at the store. We got the recipe. Yeah. So we're finding the food. We're going to bring it home. We're going to wash it. We're going to cut it, and then we're going (laughs) to look at the recipe and see how to do it. And and then we're gonna we're gonna start to cook it. Okay. It's my turn in the kitchen. Before I go any further, I got to look at the recipe. I got to see what it says. I don't just don't dump in a handful of sugar. I I I put in three tablespoons. Three Mm -hmm. tablespoons. Why? Because the recipe says so. Now, yeah. if, if I want something just general, I don't want the Bible. But if I want something just general, I don't want to fly either. Because when I call about a flight, he te- she tells me it'll be $316.12, okay? It'll be a gate yeah. eight, okay? You got to go to this airport specifically. You got to go to that gate. You got to go through security, you got to check your luggage. You got to have your e ticket. You got to tell them your name and show them your identification. All of this is specific information. Otherwise, guess what? I don't get on the plane. I don't mm-hmm. get to go to where I want to go. People have the idea God is so great, He'll just let us believe anything and we'll all wind up in the same place. Wrong. Wrong. Now, that yep. is a stupid statement. If God did that, he wouldn't bother to write anything. He'd just send out a hmm. note to everybody, do whatever feels good, and you'll be homeward bound. <laughs> yeah, see you in the end. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, That's what he'd there. say. We'll all have a great time. <laughs> yeah. Stop heresy. Because his word begins with, God created the heavens and the earth. Hmm. And think about that. Think about that. Okay. okay, you don't have to know Hebrew to know what that says. Let it say right. what it says. Now, I know there's all kinds of theories. I know that. I know all those theories, <laughs> man. I know that. But if I'm going to believe the Bible, which is going to be my map for life, mm-hmm. then I'm going to trust him not to lie to me. Right. He's not so, a liar. So... He's going to tell me the truth. Okay. If I don't get it, that's okay. It's okay. It takes time. So let's give him 20 minutes a day. Let's don't okay. tell the stopwatch. Let's just, let's say 20, 30 minutes. I got a friend that reads on the steering wheel of his car. Only place he can be alone. He's got a lot of kids. Only place he can <laughs> find quietness. He has 20 minutes at lunch that he gives. Oh, okay. I was hoping he wasn't driving no, 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 when no. you said that. Yeah, I that. <laughs> like he's pretty statement. skilled. That's very good. He's nope. pretty skilled. He's sitting there and he's not, and he's got his phone off and, 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 and he's looking at words on the page because he can read English and he's starting at the beginning of this letter Paul wrote to the Philippians, let's say. And he begins mm-hmm. with how the, the letter begins and he's not in a hurry. He reads it. He reads it again. He reads it over again. He reads it again, probably aloud. And he may have another version of the Bible that's a little easier to read. Great, get it. Read it. Read it repeatedly. Read it thoughtfully. Let it speak. 
And all you're yeah. doing is looking for the arrow in FedEx. It's there. Hmm. But you missed it. You, you missed it. Because you've hurried through it. See, the goal is not to get through a book of the Bible in 30 minutes. It's to let the book of the Bible get through you in a lifetime. So take your time. You're talking about eternal truth. God's not in a hurry, so why are you? Mm -hmm. He took 1,500 years to get this book into print. So, and he used 40 different writers. He, he went to a lot of trouble. And he, not by the grace of God, led people to put it, listen to this, to put it in English. You don't <laughs> yeah. even have to know Latin. You don't have to yeah. know German. You don't have to know Greek or Hebrew. You don't. You mm -hmm. don't. You know English? Good. You're way ahead of many. Start yeah. there. You can read? Yeah. You got a Bible? I do. You understand the English words in the Bible? Not really, they're too hard. Get a Bible, you understand. I, I use the New Living Translation when I preach. I oh, study from I the New American yeah. Standard, and I often refer to uh, the message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's very helpful to see it in various versions. What you're trying to do is let it tell you what it's saying. It's, it's really like, it's just like reading a, a how to put this together book. And, and you don't go, I remember when we did a swing set, the kids were little, and I thought, I don't need those instructions. Are you kidding? I can do this. I got an engineering background, man. When I got through, I had about 14 nuts and bolts left over. Why do I have to put all those <laughs> extra bolts and nuts in there? Then the kids started yeah. swinging, and the swing set fell apart. I went back, to, let's, see what that, let's see what the instructions said. Oh, I'm supposed to do this first. Oh, I'm supposed right. to connect the seat of the swing to that. Oh, and I should have read first from the start the instructions. Mm -hmm. That's the Bible. That's why we don't go by our feelings. Right. Your feelings are fickle. Some mornings you feel like making the bed. Some mornings you feel like shaving. Other mornings, you really don't. But if you're going to work, chances are good you're going to get dressed. And you're going to do something about that hair. And you <laughs> certainly are going to shave. And, and, and you know what? If, you, if your car needs gas, God doesn't fill it. You're going to have to fill yeah. that car with gas. So you've got a responsible thing to do. So you do it. And if you run out of gas, you learn the hard way. I've got to keep putting mm -hmm. gas in this thing. It's all a part of doing things consistently in an organized manner. That's all my book says. Here's how you go about it. You start by reading what it says. It's called observation. And then through simple techniques, you determine what does that mean? That's called interpretation. And I explained that in the whole chapter. Line by line, page by page. And then you got to figure out, what does it say elsewhere? So I don't believe some nonsensical stuff about uh, name it and claim it. You know, I'm going right. to claim this so it's mine. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. You missed the other verses on that. 
So you correlate. It's called correlation. And then you apply it. And you know what? You wind up deeper. You find the arrows in FedEx. <laughs> you discover that's what it says. It's been there all along, and I never took the time to dig it out. You know the guy named Ballard that was looking for the Titanic? Yes. You know, you know how long he looked? A little over 14 no. years hmm. till he found it. And he said, the goal of my life was reached when I found the Titanic. Now, the goal of my life is reached when I found out I can understand the Bible. And I'm yeah. spending my years pouring over it, reading it, studying it. I'm not listening for voices in the night. I'm not looking for cloud formations during the day. I'm reading print on the pages. And every time I do, I find something new. Every time. I think one of the things I love about the book is it's the actual methodology that you learned from Howard Hendricks yeah. and then have honed over time. Have right? I ever? So it's like... Oh my goodness, it's like a textbook. Oh, it's like, right. okay, so you know what, read man? this, do that. Every time I'm asked to do a devotional, I go through the same process. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching through Matthew on Sunday mornings. Every time I go to Matthew, I go through the same process. I'm actually doing what I write about in the book. This is not theory. Yeah. This is doing it. This is cooking. This is working with the food of the scriptures. Hmm. This is preparing it carefully. This is serving it so that people get it. And again, I go back to my word. You can do it. It's doable. Otherwise, God would have given his word just to scholars. Or he would have given his word only to people who knew original languages. Or he would have given his, his word only to women. Or, or only to men sure. over 50. But we know better. He gave us his word, and it's for everybody. Well, it feels like seminary in, you know, I don't know how many pages it is. I have it in my hands. Listen, uh, about 250 pages. You've got, uh, like, my Old Testament, a lot of New Testament, a lot of hermeneutics, and uh, some preaching. And on that note, I, I, I had uh, Ravi Zacharias on oh, um, this podcast. Great? Oh, is he? I he love is. that guy. Man, is he? He bright. is brilliant. I did a conference oh my with goodness. him one time. I felt like I was Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I mean, the guy He's... is off the chart brilliant. I think Robbie is one of the brightest tools in the box. Honestly, it's like listening to a machine gun brain. It's just insight <laughs> after insight after insight. It's you, pretty you intimidating when you're talking to him. He will to. quote like three paragraphs, and he'll correct a line. From the third paragraph, and I'll say to him later, Ravi, listen to me. You don't have to correct. Nobody knows what it says to start with. But he says, no, no, no. <laughs> I know. And it's got to be right. <laughs> now, that's Ravi. Love it. Isn't that great? Love it. I love that. Yeah, yeah, he's terrific. He's great. You were going to tell me about Ravi. You, you had him on your show? 
on the show. And so I asked him, I said, what do you think about modern day preaching? And here I have, you know, he's one of the greatest evangelists of, of an apologist of our time. He sure is. Here I have one of the greatest preachers yep. of our time online with me right now. So Ravi said that when it came to modern preaching, and I thought this was a great insight, he said, it either tends to veer toward the emotional or the intellectual, one of the two. And he said, you know, um, if you lean to the emotional, it becomes emotionalism, which is not helpful. If you lean to the intellect side, it becomes intellectualism. But he said, great preaching. Oh, Isn't that a great analysis? It is. And he he nailed it. And he said, you know, great preaching is both. I'd love for your thoughts on that. What do you, when you survey, not, not your preaching, because we, we get your methodology in here, but when you look out over the church and you're looking at how we're preaching or how the next generation or the upcoming generation is preaching, what do you see? What encourages you? And what would you say? Oh, oh, just be careful of this. You know, watch for that ditch or that landmine. What I see is a growing interest in spiritual things. Now that may Mm. surprise people. Because there's a lot of ugly stuff happening these days, a lot of dangerous stuff. But I see behind the scenes, a lot of folks are longing to know how to guide their lives. They don't want to make stupid mistakes. They want to do things well and do it right. I'm encouraged by that. I, I am concerned that a lot of the churches are buying into the entertainment industry. And as Robbie mm-hmm. put it, it's more emotional. And, and yeah. they gave you a little 12-minute sermonette, and then you're sent on your way with four songs and a quick little talk. And that hmm. will not make deep people. So in order for there to be depth, there must be a mixture, and I do mean a mixture, of careful analysis of what the Scripture says, mm-hmm. practical application of how it applies to me, which means I've got to know what the verses really mean, not what I want them to say, but what do they say? What do they say? Because God didn't stutter. He, 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 He spoke straight out, you know? And, you know, uh, for example, if I'm in 2 Samuel chapter 11, I'll read about David and Bathsheba. Okay. Yep. That's a dark mark on David's life, but it happened. God doesn't act like it didn't happen. He doesn't gloss over it and say, really, David meant well. David sinned. He took another man's wife, and he had sex with her. As a result, she got pregnant. She panicked. He panicked. And had her husband killed on the battle. So hmm. the sin factor just multiplied. Now, yeah. when I let that Second Samuel 11 chapter speak to me, hmm. it comes across in words I can understand. I don't try to soften them when I teach them. Hmm. I don't hmm. make them say more than they say. I let it speak for itself. And I'm finding more and more people want that. They, they, hmm. they don't want mystical stuff. They don't want you to go to your imagination and, and dream up ideas about it. Tell me what right. it means. Tell me how it applies. So when I taught that, 
I came up with a simple little formula. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. Oh. Very simple principles. But it's yes. true about sin. Now, some places won't let you use the word sin. Mm-hmm. If you go to a church like that, you're in the wrong church. Yeah. So change churches. Don't spend 15 years complaining. Go to a church where you'll hear the truth. Now, I was going to say, it takes that kind of analysis. Secondly, it needs to be interesting. A yes. message needs to be interesting, Carrie. Uh, I, I don't mean that it's, you know, you got to tell 10 jokes to make it. There, there may be some humor there, and there certainly often is. But how could you say it in a way that makes me think? I, I, if I can, I'd love to drill down a little bit on that, because you just laid down, like, the book is, it's it, it's very reflective of your ministry. I mean, it's a deep analysis. It's as, it's as good as any seminary I've seen. Like, I mean, you go deep into the Word, but in a way that's extremely accessible. And that's a very rare, rare gift, because sometimes the preachers who try to go deep become irrelevant because they're confusing. And you seem to yeah. have a masterful way of mining the scripture. You don't gloss over a lot of things. I mean, I know because you've got your seminary background, you can go back right, to the Hebrew, right. back to the Greek, you read your commentaries. Right. But I, I don't know how many messages of, you, of, of yours I've heard over the years. It's been many, many, many. You're just never confusing. You're always clear. It's always like this conversation. Isn't that encouraging? Gosh, I, I so appreciate it. One of my favorite questions to ask a teenager that comes following your service, he wants to come by, he wants to say hi, I always love that. I'm telling you the truth here. I always, and I mean always, ask, did what I say make sense? Did it make sense today? And the, and the kid will say, oh, yes, sir, it did. Or they'll say, you know, this part right here wasn't clear. Can you make that? Can you? I say, absolutely. And we'll go into it. I'll, I'll explain a little more. And he'll say, oh, I got it. I got it. Now, he was interested, but there was a part of it he didn't get. So he wanted to know. Now, the last thing I need to do is make him feel foolish because he doesn't get it. You know what? It's my fault. Sure, it's you're the communicator. He wants mm-hmm. to learn it. But if I said it in a way that wasn't clear, I got a problem. So this is of concern to me today. You said name some things that are of concern. I'm concerned that when 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 some ministers uh, deliver their 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 message uh and a person doesn't get it they blame them or they get negative about people aren't willing to give deep thought to the wait a minute friend wait a minute are you making it clear see i've got several gates i walk through when i prepare a message is it accurate is it really what the bible is saying second is it clear can anybody get it or do you have to know the code you have to have some kind of secret code to get it. If you've got to know the code, uh, you're not going to help people. So I need to say it so that a person, first time in church, can get it. Just as easily as one of our elders. Is that your filter when you're looking at, okay, we've got all this story about, you know, the exegesis of Galilee and Jesus and the context and the correlation? Make it clear. Okay. And then I think, is this relevant? Am I in touch with the 21st century? Or am I keeping them back in the 1st century? 
Right. I got to build a bridge. I'm a bridge builder. I got to build that bridge from the first to the 21st century. Okay? Is it relevant? And fourth, is it practical? Do I see what this is saying to me? Next uh, Sunday, I'm going to be talking on the feeding of the 5,000. Well, it has to do with uh, five pieces of flat bread and two little stinky sardines that this kid has for lunch. And yeah. Jesus turns the thing into a meal for 20,000 or more. There were 5,000 men, not to mention women and children. Think about that. So he's got 20,000 or more hungry people, and he's got five pieces of flat bread and two sardines. And he says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. They look at him yeah. like he was on Venus, you know, like, who are you talking to? <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't have anything to give them. We're in the middle of nowhere. He said, what do you have? Well, we got five little pieces of uh, flat bread. We got these two little pickled fishes. He said, give them to me. <sighs> Miracle. Now, wait, wait. At this moment, everybody's attention is drilled into this, this scene. But that's all in the first century. I bring him to the 21st when I say, you're all facing impossibilities. You've got an impossible situation at home. Your marriage isn't working. And it's going to take an act of God for you two to come together. That's an impossibility. But if God can feed 20,000 people, I think he can handle your marriage. So you got to figure so out, good. what do I do? What do I bring to him that he yeah. can help me? Some of you are in a financial reversal. It's impossible. For you to keep on. You can't even make your apartment payments. Others of you are facing a health issue. Pretty bleak. Pretty bleak. It's impossible. Then I give them the principle. We're all faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. Hmm. That's what that's teaching. What I have done is brought them from a first century feeding of 5,000 in a place they'll never go, over in the Middle East. And I brought them all the way to Lexington, Kentucky, Dallas, Texas, San Diego, California, Phoenix, Arizona, Miami, Florida, because I brought them to the 21st century. And that yeah. keeps it interesting. And that's very important. So just reading a Bible, if you're going to be teaching it, and just seeing what it means is only part of it. That's like a meal. You don't just don't hmm. put it in the oven and leave it there. You take it out in time, and you serve it in a way that's attractive and nutritional. And people, people want more. Yeah, they would. You know, one of the things that I, I so appreciate about that is I think sometimes as preachers, particularly younger preachers, you know, you're tempted to bring the audience's concern to start with. Yeah, that. yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I got a thing on that. Where do we start? We start with the Bible. We're going there first because this is the source of truth. Your situation is not the source of truth. It's the result of not knowing the truth the mess you've gotten yourself into. So let's start with the truth. Here's the principle. Now let's put the principle into where you're living today. 
And let's guard against offering a solution for everything. Because you've got to leave God who he is. He's not only mysterious, he's awesome. Unfortunately, everybody uses awesome for everything from their Toyota to their girlfriend, you know, to the uh, place where they live in or their job. Everything's awesome. So I've taught our congregation, let's keep the word awesome just for God. He's awesome. Hmm. He alone Hmm. is awesome. So let's hold him in highest regard and let's understand what he has said will give me insight into where I find myself today. But let's first understand what he said and why he said it. That's why it's so important you start with a recipe. You get the food. You prepare it correctly. And then, the last part, you serve it to everybody. You've prepared it Now you serve it. And so a Sunday service includes all the above. You're taking them to the source of food. You're cutting it up and preparing it. You're serving it for them so they understand how it means. And you're not keeping them in the dark. You're not boring them with with, uh, the uh, truth. I read somewhere the worst sin you can commit in public is to bore people. (laughs) And it happens. It happens all the time. Unfortunately, the one who does the boring has a Bible between him and the people. And he thinks it's because they don't want to know. Let me tell you Hmm. something. I've rarely been with an audience that didn't want to know. Hmm. They really want to know. They really do. And often the obstacle. I don't care if you're 20 or or if you're 82. I don't care how old you are. You didn't get dressed and come to church to be bored. You came because you know there's something that you need. Well, let's don't let them leave disappointed. If they're hungry, give them something to believe. But that takes time to prepare that. You can't prepare it on the way to church. Oh, no, that's so true. And you can't do what you write about in the book. Uh, you know, Saturday night at six o'clock. Oh, you've yeah, you've right. got to. Right. It's it's kind of it like SM, writing a book. I call it SMP, Saturday Night Panic. Happens <laughs> happens to every busy preacher. Boy, you only go yeah. through that two or three times before you say, "I'm not going to do that again." Yeah, it's like a surgeon who doesn't have time to prepare, but he's ready to cut. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Before you put that knife on my belly, let's make sure you're clean, you know what you're doing, and you know where you're going. <laughs> and then you'll know how to sew me back up. Make sure you got all that put together. <laughs> well, Dr. Swindoll, I'll tell you, I know your time is precious. May I ask you one more question sure. before we go? All right. I would just, you know, in my view, you've still got a lot of life left in you. You're leading a church full time. I mean, it's amazing. And when we were talking before we started, you said, hey, this is my last book. I got like more ideas in me. And I love that. Oh, you yeah, know, you've man. been married married for 60 years in ministry for uh, over 50. You love life. You love ministry. You love Jesus. And finishing well, right. I know, is on the mind of a lot of leaders. And unfortunately, we all know folks who have just you know, had trouble in that regard. Um, What are just a few of the keys you've had for lasting impact for you in life and in ministry? Number one, 
be accountable. You need a hmm. close set of friends who ask you the hard questions. Be sure you stay close to a few people who do that. One ought to be your wife or husband. Yeah. And then outside your family, you need a few who will do that with you. Number two, number two, take God very seriously. But don't take yourself all that seriously. You're not that mm-hmm. big a deal to start with. It's by the grace of God that you even have a voice. So don't take yourself that seriously. But take God very, very seriously. Third, stay fresh. Stay fresh. <laughs> Uh, keep coming to the scriptures as if for the first time. Keep listening to the songs, the hymns, the great messages in music as if for the first time. Stay fresh. Fourth, guard against familiarity. This is very important. Guard against familiarity. You're, You're dealing with truth all the time. If you're not careful... There's a big word I'm going to use here, so be ready. It it becomes perfunctory. It means business as usual. Mm -hmm. Same old Bible. Been there, done that. Same old set of verses. Been there, done that. Stop. If that happens, you need a break. You need to admit it. Which brings me to another principle. Quickly admit wrong. Don't hide it. Say, I was mistaken, or say, I was wrong, or say, you know what, I exaggerated, or I judged, and I shouldn't have judged, Mm. or I lost my temper, and I've got an anger problem. I need to deal with it. Tell the truth. Live your life telling the truth. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. Would you do some of these things? It's amazing how happy you can remain. One of my associates passed along something beautiful. I'm going to close with my talk with you by giving these things that he gave sure. to me. Don McMinn is his name. He's my minister of music. I love Don. Don said I read somewhere, here's the secret to happiness. First, you've got to have something to do. Second, you need someone to love. And third, you need something to look forward to. Yeah, that's so That true. is so simple, but I'm telling you, Carrie, it works. You need something to do. You get bored when there's no... Be sure you have something significant to do. And I have it every day of my life. I love that. Second, I've got someone to love. And third, it, it, it's so important... That, that that third comment, something to look forward to. Right. As simple as going out to eat tonight. As, as, as simple as having a birthday party for one of your kids. As, as simple as getting a new book. Or maybe someday getting a new car. You look forward to it, and, and it's right around the corner maybe, and you're going to do, you, you, you live in anticipation. I've learned that when you have a nice dinner you're going to go to, anticipating it, is three-fourths the joy. Yeah, that's where we're going tonight, my wife and I. I'm excited. Been excited for a day. you got to have your date night. That's very you important, got by the way. I hope this has been helpful, my friend. It's been incredible. Dr. Swindoll, I can't thank you enough. And I know a lot of leaders are going to benefit from this. And I hope a lot of you go out and buy the book. It's oh, sensational. Searching the scriptures. Great. 
Well, thank you so much. You're welcome, Gary. Okay, so I got to tell you, at the very beginning, when, when we were having a conversation with Dr. Swindoll, I couldn't believe, like, wow, I'm actually talking to Chuck Swindoll. You know, you ever have one of those moments? Yeah. Anyway, that was it for me. So it's a lot of fun to do this uh, with you guys. And hey, if you want more on the book or, or anything from Dr. Swindoll's ministry, just make sure you go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 109 where you'll find the show notes and all kinds of helpful links some things you can share on social media. If there was a particular quote that really struck you, you can just find that at kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 109. Also, for all of you who um, follow my blog, uh, we have just gotten into a place where we are now sending out regular Saturday updates, weekly updates on everything you might have missed, including this podcast, which also publishes on my blog. And what you can do is just go to kerrynewhoff.com and subscribe. And if you enter your email, you'll make sure you don't miss a thing, including some special offers and like insider scoops and stuff like that that I, I love to share with you guys. So anyway, next week, for subscribers and otherwise you'll have to randomly find it. I am going to bring you one conversation that I have been excited about for a long time. I sit down with Jeff Henderson and Jeff Brody and we have a good long discussion about a transition that Jeff Brody and I made a year ago, which is I stepped out of the lead pastor seat for the first time in two decades in church leadership and moved into a founding and teaching pastor role. And Jeff Brody stepped in as the new lead pastor of Conexus Church. We're going to talk about all about what that means. But what I'm really excited about is I think this transition has worked like Man, usually things go wrong when that happens. And Jeff and I were really prayerful and careful uh, to try to get some things right. And Jeff Henderson sits down with Jeff Brody and myself, and we talk all about the principles and the practices involved in that. Also got Todd Wilson from Exponential coming up, Les McEwen in an interview I am pumped about, which is uh, really all about predictable success. It's a book I read earlier this year, and I was so fascinated by it. I just called him up and said, hey, would you be on my podcast? And he was kind enough to say sure. And I think you're going to, it's like this guy reads your mail when you think about your organizational challenges in the church or in your business. So, hey, thanks for making this so much fun. If this uh, helped you or you've got suggestions, just leave a review on iTunes. You can do that and also rate it. Uh, share it with your friends if it made a difference. And we will catch up with you next Tuesday. I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.